Amen. Aren't you glad that he looked beyond what was wrong with you? Beyond your faults, beyond your sin, and, and had mercy upon you? Glory to God. I, I'm glad he wasn't just, you know, picking. Say, well, there's old Ken Williams. He's, he's got too much. Amen. There's old Matt Lancaster. He won't. No, he's got too much. David May got too much. Eugene, he's seeing too much. No, he looked beyond that. Amen. He looked beyond that. And then the very worst of humanity, he looked beyond. And not that we're the worst of humanity, but the very worst of humanity, he looked beyond. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, go ahead and look over to Matthew chapter 9. We'll get started there. Now, Friday night, I intended to preach this Friday night. And the service, uh, I began preaching on the, uh, the uh, uh, on resentment, how people let resentment get into their lives, and then it goes over into unforgiveness into their lives. So I was going to put it all, but the Holy Spirit worked in a different way, and I only, I only got just a little bit done. So resentment is the ability to adjust emotionally to unexpected displeasure. And a hateful, like a hateful remark or an act of betrayal. See, it's, it's the, first, uh, the first cardinal sign of resentment is hostility. And when, when somebody is, is hostile toward you, and, and it seems to be for no apparent reason, they're just, they just don't like you. Well, it's because of resentment. That's the root of it. They resent you in some form or fashion about something. You don't know what it is. You may be, look better than they do or, or you know, your spouse may be more beautiful than theirs and all this kind of stuff. But they resent you. You may have more money than they have. Amen. They, they, but they resent you. But we, in, in, when we get into that, we have to admit the way out of it is that we have to admit that we are resentful towards somebody. We have to go to the person who has offended us and be reconciled. You go to that person that has offended you. Well, that sometimes that's not always easy to do because they not, may not be receptive to you. Well, that's not your problem. What you must do is you must present yourself and, and, and just with as much grace and love as possible, lay the offense out. Maybe they didn't know that they did that to you. Maybe they didn't understand that, that, that uh, that's what they were doing when that happened. I mean, nobody's going to apologize to you for, for having more money than you or, or having something better, but most of the time that's not the issue. The issue is that that person uh, didn't speak to you at a certain time or that person was doing something that you thought they shouldn't have done and it offended you and you become resentful. So what, what do you do? You go to that person and you explain to them with the love and compassion that you can that this has happened. Well, then that's off of you and, and up to them. And most of the time, I've, I've uh, seen most of the time in my life that people will, will apologize for that act that they did because sometimes they didn't know they did it. Uh, you did this, you turned your back on me, you did this. I've had people tell me I turned my back on them when, 
when they were trying to shake my hand or something. Well, I didn't see them. And half the time they don't believe I didn't see them. But, but you know, I didn't see them. I, I'll shake anybody's hand. Just don't spit on it before you give it to me. I'll, I'll shake anybody's hand. Amen? And, and so it, it, the, I apologize if I have offended anybody in that area. One time we had people leave the church here when we was in that building because they said my wife didn't shake their hand. We didn't know it was that important. Amen. I didn't know her hand was that important. I said, let's make a mold and put it at the back door on a machine. They can put a quarter in and shake it till they you know, get all they want. We make some money off of it. We didn't know it was that important that they do that. What I would do if I was trying to shake somebody's hand, I'd wait till they got free and shake their hand. If they turned their back on me, I'd wait till they turned back around. Amen. Or follow them. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm here to shake your hand. God bless you. I love you. And go on about your business. Don't, don't let it make you angry. Things like that, it happened. And, and sometimes we in church here, we, we do things. And sometimes uh, people get offended about the way we have a service, about the way, but this is the way we are. See, if you want a Baptist service, there's a Baptist church right over there. If you want a Nazarene service, there's a Nazarene church right over there. If you want an Assembly of God service, there's an Assembly of God church over there. But this is the way we do service. This is the way we take up offerings. This is the way we pray for the sick. This is the way we uh, uh, have church here at Overcoming Faith Ministries. That's the way we do it. So, so that's, you know, I'm sorry if we offended you. We, we Diane and I walked into a, a store yesterday, and we go there all the time. It's a little, uh, one of these natural stores. You know, they got all this natural. Anyway, they got little dog biscuits down there that are dog likes. And that's the only kind he really likes. So we go down there every Saturday morning and spend 20 bucks on dog biscuits. Amen. <laughs> and, and we went into the store, and, and, and we get two bags, and there was a lady standing there at the store. And that lady said, that lady was really letting the owner of that store have it. I mean, she was, she was really, she said, those dogs, they was three little puppies in there, and just as nice as they could be. And she said, they repulsed me. And the lady was trying to make a, make an effort to explain to her the dogs were nice and they were clean. She said, there's no unopened food in here. Uh, uh, there's no open food in here. And if there's any spots on the floor, it's because humans did that. They spilt their drink. They spilt this. They spilt that. And we've been trying to get it up. The dogs didn't do that. And the dogs are always there to greet you when you go in, you know, just as nice as they can be. And I said, well, you... You've learned a good lesson today. Probably you already knew it. She said, what is that? I said, you can't please everybody. Amen. You can't please everybody because we, we go in, we sit down, I sit down on the floor and play with the dogs while Diane shot. And, and you know, so, so, and just have a good time. But, but people get offended in areas and a lot of time you don't know anything about it. And they get, like I say, they get offended by the way you have church. They get offended by the way you sing. They get offended by by the way I preach, maybe I spit too much, maybe I, maybe I do this, maybe I do that, you know, maybe I move around too much, maybe I move my arms too much, you know, and, and they get offended by that. But, but then that brings on resentment. And the resentment is the root of something that hurts you in your spiritual life because then 
that it carries over into everything else you do. And so you have to get over that. But this morning, I want to minister to you for a few months on unforgiveness. Talk about unforgiveness. Look in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Good to see my good friend Ken Daniels in church this morning. Amen. He'll, y'all be careful, he'll tell you a golf story. <laughs> Amen. Got one of the best daddies in the world. Amen. I say one because I had one too. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith. And he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Now over in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 5, you don't have to turn there. But Jesus did that again. He said to the people, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven thee. So what am I saying? I'm saying in the area of unforgiveness. Now we've been talking for the last few weeks about praying continuously, praying and seeking God. And of course we've been having our prayer here uh, every day. And, but there are some things that will stop prayer. And there are some things that will stop faith. And one of those things, and I've been ministering those to you over the past few weeks, but one of those things is unforgiveness. And here we see that forgiveness is essential for your healing. Jesus was called the the great physician. He saw the relationship between forgiveness of sin and healing. So he often said those things, thy sins be forgiven thee. Then he would say, be healed. The second thing on forgiveness we have to learn is that forgiveness can save your eternal soul. If you'll not forgive others, God said, then God won't forgive you. And if you remain in a state of unforgiveness, you cannot enter the gates of heaven. See, now you've got to ask yourself a question. And ask this, is this grudge that I'm bearing towards some other person that's sending you to an eternity without God, is it worth it? See, there was, a, there was a man by the name of Bishop Werner. I was reading his book. It tells the story of a father whose son was among the first to be sent to the Pacific in World War II. And when his son was getting on the train at the end of his last leave, the father wanted to say so many things to his son, but he didn't. The train pulled out of the railroad station, and the boy was gone. And his father knew he might not see his son again. And that day the father thought, if my son is killed, I hope every Japanese will die. So when the man's son was killed in combat, the father's words came back to haunt him. He said, my son is killed, I hope every Japanese will die. So he fell on his knees and asked God for forgiveness. So a year later, the father took the insurance money that he received from the government for the death of his son and placed that money in an offering for missions to Japan. And the father knew that Japan needed what they needed. And what we all need is forgiveness and not more punishment. Amen. See, forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is the first thing is an act of your will. It's when you will to forgive someone. It's when you are desiring out of your soul, out of your heart, 
that you will walk in forgiveness. See, God's peace, which you need to survive in every storm, will come later after the forgiveness has taken place. If you don't forgive another, then you'll live in hell every day the rest of your life. And I've said this a lot of times, and I'll say it again because it's just it's so important to think about this. Because most people, when they have unforgiveness, they have unforgiveness against somebody. It's hardly ever against a corporation or a, a place. It's always against a person. And when we walk in that unforgiveness, when we allow unforgiveness to rule in our lives and we think about it, whoever it is that you are having the problem with, whoever it is that you refuse to not forgive, well, then you carry that person with you everywhere you go. And in your thought life, that person is there everywhere you go. Now, listen to me. I, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I was, let me slow down. When, when we refuse to forgive, we are allowing that person that we refuse to forgive to dominate us to dominate your thinking, to dominate your time. That will take away quality time for you. It will take away uh, 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 pleasures in life because if you go somewhere and you see that person there, it takes away your emotions begin to take over and you begin to look at that person with that unforgiveness and then you rehearse everything that has ever taken place in your life and then you lose out on the joy of, of the fellowship of that day. So we must learn to forgive. See, the third, third thing, forgiveness is not optional. Jesus said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now think about this. If I don't forgive... I can't get forgiveness. Now, I'm not making this up. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, Luke chapter 6, verse 37 says, Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Amen. Amen. So if we don't forgive, then we will not be forgiven. Wow. Think about it. Is it worth that? How many people pray every day, God, forgive me my sins, but, but they don't forgive somebody else's sins? See, the best way to keep from getting hurt is by forgiving. Amen. See, the Apostle Paul, he said, And be kind to one another in Ephesians 4.32. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What did he say? He said, Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, if God is perfect and He forgave you, then why can't you, with all your faults and failures, forgive somebody else? See, don't say I can't. The truth is you won't. Don't say I can't forgive. I'm just hurt so bad. I just can't get over this. But you can get over it and you can repent of that and you can release that thing out of your life so that you can be free from it. You know, unforgiveness brings torment in your life. People, you know, and I, I understand uh, uh, there's some things that happen in people's lives that, that are very difficult to get over. 
I understand that. I mean, I mean, I uh, people molestation, uh, somebody murdered someone, or or something in that area. I can understand. There are some things that are very difficult to get over. But friend, listen to me. We have a God that's above everything that and anything that can ever happen or come into your life. If God can forgive you for doing it, He can let you to forgive somebody else for doing it. There are 62 references of forgiveness in the New Testament. And 22 of those 62 times involves forgiving someone else. And without that, there's no forgiveness for ourselves, nor ever, uh, not ever. If you will not forgive another, God cannot forgive you. Why? Because that's what His Word said. When is the last time someone really hurt you? When's the last time? Just, just take, a, take a walk through your memory of time for a moment. Someone somewhere in your past rejected you in such a way that you still remember it. Do, do you fantasize about just, just smashing your fist right into their face of someone from your past? Sure you do. Hey, somebody back there, you just like to clip them. Hmm? And you thought about it. If that bum would come back, boy, I'd just, you know. Do you mentally scheme about how to embarrass someone in public? You will, listen, you will never be free until you learn to forgive them. Amen. See, when you're, were, were you an abused as a child? Did you cry in the night and no one came? Did, you, did, you, did your tears fall on your pillow unnoticed by anyone? Maybe you were sexually molested. There's, a, there's an inner rage known only to God and others who have been sexually molested. There's a, there's a freedom through forgiveness. I know it's tough. Then I didn't say it would be easy. You know, most of the things in my, in my young Christian age that for me to get over was, was mental. If I could quit thinking about it, I could get over it. Right. And the only way to get over it by stop thinking about it is by praying. And then and actually forgiving someone that might have done something to me, or it might not have been that, it might have been something else. You know, that just would not leave my mind. Until I prayed, and until I just, just got down and did business with God. I remember a lady, she gave her testimony. Her husband had, she was a singer and, and uh, doing a great work for God and, and all this, and, and her husband had had an affair and run off with someone. And it, it hurt her. I mean, I mean, for years. This thing hurt her. Every time I would see her, this, it would come out. This, this was really hurt her. I mean, the pain that, that she felt because she truly trusted and, and was truly committed to, and, and, and then he did, he, he hurt her. See, let me tell you something, folks. A broken heart is very difficult to overcome. She said one day in her, in her house, she went into her kitchen, and she got a chair. She took that chair, set it right in the middle of the floor. 
and said in her mind and with her words, she set her husband down in that chair. Of course, he wasn't there, but spiritually, this is what she had to do. And then she had to pray, and, and then she had to stand up and point her finger and say, I forgive you. You broke my heart. You did this, but through the power of the Spirit of God and with God's help, I forgive you for what you've done. Made him get out of the chair, set the woman down. Most of y'all would have went, she did the same thing to the woman I forgive you you trespassed me you did something you took something that was mine and you trespassed me but in the realm of God by the spirit of almighty God I forgive you and I'll never bring it up again it's over and she said, God set her free. And she said, by doing that, now you, you might not have to do nothing like that. It may not be nothing that drastic. But to me, that would probably be one of the most difficult things in life to overcome. And she said, I forgive you. And then she got it out of her heart. And she has an awesome ministry right now. An awesome ministry. And, and it's, it's mostly with young people. But it's dealing with these things also. See, when... Just think about when the last time you was hurt. Did you suffer through your parents' divorce as a child? Where, where were you placed uh, uh, somewhere that no one wanted you? Did you stand alone on, at, on times when you had no one to talk to or no one to pray with you? See, when, you, when these things come, they come as a bitter resentment towards somebody which brings unforgiveness. And the only thing that sets you free is forgiveness. Now, Understand what I'm fixing to say. I set you up for this. To forgive someone else without demanding a change in their conduct is to make the grace of God an accomplice to evil. The forgiveness that Christ teaches in the Bible demands, hear me, a change. See, forgiveness expects a change. Hear what I'm saying? Now, the Pharisees caught a woman in the act of adultery in, in the book of John, chapter 8, which, which makes me wonder where the Pharisees were <laughs> when they caught her. Perhaps they were standing in line just waiting to accuse her. But when they brought that woman to Jesus, he forgave that woman, saying to her, Go and sin no more. See, he expected a change in her conduct. I'm forgiving you of your sins. Now go and sin no more. Get out of that business. Don't do that business anymore. See, forgiveness expects a change. Now how does this translate into the 21st century? See, when a spouse needs forgiveness, or a husband or a wife asks their spouse, will you forgive me of adultery? The answer is yes. I'll forgive you if you'll change. But if, if this is going to be a pattern of conduct for you, 
hit the road and don't even think about coming back. I forgive you, but you can't do that no more. See, see, we, we Christians, and somebody always pulls this out of the hat on us. If someone slapped you on the cheek, you knew I was coming, didn't you? <laughs> He's not bigger than me if he's sitting down. Slapped you on the cheek, well then turn the other cheek. Hmm? We're supposed to forgive them. But they got to change their conduct. They can't do that no more. You understand? I mean, this is not a punching bag. And so therefore, if I turn the other cheek, that's your last chance. Now you got to change your conduct or you're going to have some problems. Amen. So, so, so in, the, in the realm of Christianity, we forgive, but we must demand a change. See, when, when, a, when a homosexual son confesses his sin to his father and asks for forgiveness, well, the Bible answer is yes, you are forgiven, but you must change. We will not accept the homosexuality as an alternative lifestyle. See, I repeat, granting forgiveness without demanding a change becomes a license for someone to sin. See, that kind of forgiveness is not found in the Scripture. Jesus did not teach it. Paul did not teach it either. Today we teach it because it covers up the stench of a godless and undisciplined lifestyle. Okay, you might be saying, you've convinced me, what should I, what should I, uh, or that I should forgive, but that's easier said than done. Sure it is. Sure it's easy to say I forgive. Amen. Sure it's easy to ask somebody to forgive you and not mean it. But how do we forgive? First of all, you forgive immediately. The Bible says, therefore, if you bring your gift into the altar and there, and, and there remember that your brother has come against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. He says, go make peace with him and then come back. Why? Because it's important to forgive in order to be forgiven. See, the message is very clear. Forgive immediately. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, Peter told his audience to forgive so that your sins may be blotted out in Acts 3.19. Not scratched out. I'll pray about it. Written in the margin. No, stop, stop the facade there. God is not listening to your prayer while you have anger in your heart against a brother. You hear me? You've got to get it out. You've got to get over it. You've got to ask God. The only way to get rid of it is by asking forgiveness and by forgiving someone. See, religious people are forever trying to earn God's forgiveness. They know their lives are saturated with sin, so they do ridiculous things trying to earn forgiveness. They, they join the church. That'll help. They give money to the poor. Oh, that sure has got to help. But, and they physically punish themselves. I was reading about a missionary who went down into Mexico visiting a Catholic cathedral and saw a man crawling on his bloody knees toward the altar. Ask him why. 
He was trying to get forgiveness. He was so sincere, but he was so wrong. Christ forgave him back 2,000 years ago at the cross. And you're forgiven because God loves you. You're not forgiven because you do good things. You're forgiven because the blood of Jesus has removed every crimson stain from your soul. Paul wrote, we have redemption through his blood in Ephesians 1 and 7. I remember a missionary coming one time and, and he had some film and uh, he showed us some film. He showed us a man crawling on his stomach just using his elbows and he'd been crawling something like uh, all day and all night and all day and miles upon miles and, and uh, he asked him, he said, why are you doing this? He said, well, I was told if I could crawl from point A to point B, then I would be forgiven of my sins. Now that's desperate. That's desperation of somebody wanting forgiveness in their life. But you don't have to do that. You cannot earn your forgiveness. Some people think because they attend church regular that that, that makes them a good Christian. Well, it helps, but it don't do all of it. Amen. I am, I am pro-church attendance. And some of y'all that are here, that wasn't here last week, I am pro-church attendance. The next thing we do, he said, be reconciled. You take the initiative, go to your mother, go to your father, go to your wife, go to your husband, and make that matter right. Remember, nothing is ever settled until it's settled right. Now, I know this has never happened to any of you, but, but uh, how many of us ever had an argument with your wife before you left home? Don't raise your hand. I'll just raise mine. Hmm? Huh? And, and that thing turned in and just blowed up and turned into a, to a real, real humdinger. You thought about it all day at work. Went to work. It was always on your mind. Your stomach hurt all day long. Come home that night, just dread. Didn't want to go home. I don't want to go home. Thought about that thing. Rehearsed it in your mind all day long. When I get home, I'm going to straighten that woman out. <laughs> yeah. Get home. And she's there. and You don't say a word. Just go in, be quiet. Sit down, pout. You know. Boy, we good powders. We can. We know how to pout. You ever seen a two hundred and fifty pound man pout? <laughs> go to bed, can't go to sleep. Scared to eat supper. <laughs> Might be something. In it. <laughs> go to bed, can't go to sleep. Just toss and turn. Refuse to admit you was wrong. Get up the next morning. Same thing. Go to work all day long. Just messing up. Finally, you come home in the evening and, and uh, she'll say something like, uh, well, the, you know, something, dog chewed up something or one of your shoes or you need to fix something. And okay, that opened the door for a little conversation. Hmm? Okay, well, what happened? Well, then, then before long they was talking and talking and talking and talking. And now everything's kind of back to normal. Go in there in the bedroom, lock the door. And 
Hmm? Y'all ain't never done that? And next day everything's normal. Nobody ever apologized. Nobody ever admitted they was wrong. They just used that bedroom for a place to settle that argument. You think it's over till a couple of more days down the road. You do something and she reminds you again what you did before. Brings it up. My oldest daughter remembers the first day I ever spanked her. And occasionally will remind me of it. Forty years ago. And instead of settling that thing with prayer, admitting that you were wrong, we lay it on the shelf and we go back and pick it up and use it as a tool when we need it. Third thing you do is forgive yourself. Often the most difficult act of forgiveness is the forgiveness of ourselves. You can forgive someone else's foolish mistakes, but not your own. If God has forgiven you, well then forgive yourself. How often shall I forgive? Peter asked Jesus at that time in history, there was a teaching that if a man forgave three times, he was a righteous man. After three times, he could pick up stones and stone to death the one who sinned against him. Peter was looking for a place to stop forgiving and start stoning. And Jesus, he enlarged the boundaries of forgiveness. He said, forgive 70 times 7. Matthew 18, 22. Now technically, that's 490 times. But actually, the message is, forgive until it becomes a habit. Forgive until forgiveness is the way that you live. The only way to get even with somebody is forgiven. And the only way to keep from getting hurt is to walk in forgiveness. Are you willing to forgive? When you master yourself until you are willing to forgive another, we need to learn how to forgive and allow God to forgive us as we forgive others. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we love you and we thank you, Jesus, today for your love and your mercy and your grace, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for our people that are here. Thank you for these people that have, have come in and, and, and just wanted to seek your face. God, we love them and we care for them. In Jesus' name, would you stand?